Gurudev, Rishi Gautama, was born as Buddha. So that people in that particular century, in 2500 years back, could practice yoga of the highest order and try to show them the Eightfold Path, which is called Atthanga Yoga in our order. Atthanga Yoga is ஒருத்தாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்கோகம்ாங்
pronounces the Atang Matka. In the teachings of the Buddha, for 45 years after his enlightenment at the age of 35, until his 80th year, he lived for the welfare and benefit of mankind. Although his teachings are recorded in the Tripitaka, a vast collection, yet he had said many a times that he only teaches one thing. That thing is the path to reduce suffering here and now and to overcome, eradicate all forms of sufferings to attain that eternal bliss. Now in this respect, the Buddha has pointed out through his own experience after going through two extremes. The extremes of sensuality on the one hand and the extreme of mortification or self-torture on the other. He preached, avoiding these two extremes to follow the middle path. We call it the Arya Atangika Mahga, the Four Noble Truths. What are these four? Sorry, Arya Atangika Mahga, the Noble Eightfold Path, which is the fourth of the noble, Four Noble Truths. What are these noble eightfold paths? The first begins with right understanding. It is to start with to understand the nature of life, the nature of existence in its proper perspective. Then there is right thoughts, right speech, right bodily action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. These noble eightfold paths can be divided into three stages. Sila, Samadhi, Anya. Sila refers to morality. Morality refers to right speech, right bodily action and right livelihood. Now what is right bodily action? 
It is that action first and foremost to refrain from killing, stealing, and sexual misconduct. On the other hand, abstaining these immoral acts to practice the positive aspect. Opposite, opposite of killing, you practice loving kindness. You radiate your thoughts of loving kindness to all beings. A person steals because he does not respect the rights of ownership. Therefore, one practices, one respects the right And one abstains from sexual misconduct to practice the life chastity in its highest. Right speech consists of the word speech free from lying, free from slander, from backbite, gossip, to separate people from one another. Speech, harsh language, and frivolous talks, useless talks, which very many people engage, which is a waste of time. They talk about anything from their shoes to their clothes but there is no end to that kind of knowledge. It does not lead to discipline. It does not lead to the reduction of suffering. So, useful speech I have been listening what Swamiji had told you. This kind of gathering, when you come together to listen on how to improve your health, both physically and mentally, this will help you to reduce your suffering here and now. There is no two words about it that mind and body, they work together. One conditions the other. Then, through right thoughts, the other thoughts free from covetousness, that is, to cling to crave for others' possessions. The thoughts of non-cruelty, ahimsa, non-violence, of harmlessness, that is also right thoughts. And there are certain views that we hold. There are a number of 
views that we hold which are very superstitious, which has no basis. And these are what we call wrong views. There are those who do not hold the view that there is the efficacy of moral actions, that life is what they can see, that five senses, that is that materialistic view, that in the end of their life, that is the aim of the story of man no more. Still this view is prevalent. It was there during the time of the Buddha. It is still. Now these noble eightfold paths divided into sealer samadhi fanya. Sealer, that is morality. Samadhi, which leads to concentration, concentration, and Panya, which is wisdom. These words, Sealer, Samadhi, Panya, are in Bali. Now, there is, these are the three values around which all of Buddhism revolves. The, it is important for us to know how these values are related to one another and how they strengthen and fortify one another. Thick, sealer, morality, do you think if you have killed somebody, if you have robbed the bank or robbed something in the house, do you think you can sit down quietly and listen as you have as you are doing now? Why? What is the nature of your mind when you have committed immoral actions? There is remorse. There is that feeling, that guilt feeling. This is why we say avoid killing, avoid stealing. Morality is important because it has its function of freeing the mind from remorse. There are two aspects of morality. One is to abstain from evil and the other is to perform the good. That is, to perform your moral duties and obligations. If you have not performed your moral duties and obligations, as a child towards your parents, as a pupil towards your teacher, <coughs> and also vice versa, 
parents to children, teachers to pupils. Friends to friends, employers to employees, religious teachers to disciples. If these moral obligations are not performed, it also brings about a certain amount of remorse. <coughs> then, when the mind is free from remorse, free from guilty conscience, that mind is naturally a calm mind. That calmness, that ease of mind, naturally leads to happiness. That happiness within one. And it is true happiness that one is able to concentrate properly, correctly one attains samadhi with sukham, with happiness, with joy, with peace. And what happens after samadhi? When one concentrates, one begins to watch the nature of existence, the nature of phenomena as they really are. Seeing the nature of things as they really are, one begins to see the impermanence. The impermanence of all component things. It is with the understanding, with the insight, <laughs> To the impermanence of things that one begins to reduce one's clinging, one gives up, leads a life of detachment. That panya, that jnana is also that knowledge which understands the law of cause and effect. That our whole life revolves around this cycle of cause and effect. Not knowing what the causes are, we only resort to temporary reliefs Reliefs are there, but as long as the root causes are not eradicated, are not removed, again the problem arises. And it is true that jnana, that wisdom, that the Buddha was able to see, besides certain cosmic powers which he attained, besides certain ethics, to remember his previous birth, to see, to be able to understand the thoughts of others, he was also able to see 
the root cause of all the defilements, the root cause of all evil actions, it is all evil actions are rooted in three things. Loba dosa more. Greed, hatred, and delusion or ignorance. The more one the more greed one has, the more attachment one has to things, the more problems one creates. That is why Mother India has taught the ancient way of simple living, high thinking and high practice. I have also just returned from India from a conference, the Asian Conference on World Religion and Peace. My 10 days stay in Madras and New Delhi, where the conference was held in New Delhi. I have met quite a number of brothers and sisters, or Indian brothers and sisters. But I have to tell them that they have forgotten their ancient cultural heritage. It is good that your Swamiji is able to come to this country to remind you of your ancient culture heritage. India and China has a long tradition. They are the, among the oldest living civilizations. So, it is good that you come, you gather together, and you organize amongst yourself to promote the teachings of wisdom. Wisdom is no monopoly of Indians or Chinese or the Europeans. Wisdom is wisdom. This is where the tolerance of teachings of wise sages has promoted this kind of interreligious gathering. So I have heard that Swamiji, that you all are trying to start a center somewhere and when, as and when you start, do let us know, do let me know. We will send our members to do yoga. <laughs> I have come to Buddhism. I am what I am now through yoga also. It was when I was away from my own motherland that I began to do homework on my own religion. First, we have to know our own religion. 
do not allow religions to separate, to cause separations within the family. That is not the aim of real religious values. When religions are interested to convert people from one religion to another and not to instill moral morality, to promote unity within the family, there is no religion. We are living at a point of time where in the name of religion various things are happening. It is good for you to get together, promote the kind of tolerance in practice, and understand the values of life. In Buddhism, in very short terms, it is said Buddhism can be summarized into just a few state stanza sentences. Sapapasakaranam kusala sukasampada sachitta paryo dapanam etam bhutan sasana. In English it means avoid evil. Do good and purify your mind. But remember when you want to purify your minds, that purification of your mind must come along together with the purification of your actions. Otherwise, there is no, there is no proper concentration. So, I will now conclude by thanking the organizers and Swamiji for having spoken so much about Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, of course, the Sankaracharya, in one of his books, he also pointed out that the Buddha was the emperor amongst the Yogis. And uh, it is true that all religious teachers have become great through contemplative, through meditation, through meditative and contemplative life. It is at their various jhanas. It is at the various stages of samadhi that when they come out from these stages of samadhi and when they begin to rationalize out things, that is how there are differences in teaching. It is a matter of degree of enlightenment. 
the Buddha was known as a Samma Sam Buddha because he spoke directly from his experience. He was no messenger of God. He was not. He does not deliver messages, no. He speaks from his experience. Through his, through the jnana, through the deep, the penetrative insight that he realized, he speaks of that. That is a summer song. And it is not a monopoly of India. That is why I see, I'm happy to see some of our Chinese brothers and sisters are here also. Hmm? So, I think I have spoken enough and you have other things on your program. But if you have a few questions which you will raise, you are welcome with this good health and peace to all of you. On behalf of International Bhavadiva Sangha, before thanking our distinguished speaker, I want to remind the fact that we are all students of compared to religion and seekers of truth. So I'll be very happy if Reverend Mahendra knows it to chant the Diamond Sutra and then give the translation of it because we are interested in it. You know the Diamond Sutra? Have you heard about it? The Diamond Sutra is something that I have not learned. Hmm. But I can chant to you the Karaniya Metta Sutta. It is that Sutta, it is that discourse which expounds how loving kindness should be practiced. So if you wish to listen on that, it is a shorter one. Kanchi, 
that means not to be a hypocrite. Not to tell people something and do something else. To reduce this hypocrisy. To be able, sorry, sakko is to be able. That is, while you are still able to practice, not when you are sick and you are not able to function to practice. Do it when there is when there is still strength in you to practice. Ujucha sujucha. This refers to the uprightness and straightforwardness. Here it means to be obedient. More than obedient, there is no what you call appropriate one English word for the translation of these Pali and Sanskrit words. But it means more towards being amenable in character. That is to say, that quality in a person, when this quality of amendable, it, this quality is in you, you stand to be checked, to be corrected. When you are corrected, then you can think and then come back to the right path. That is the meaning. It is not only patience, but also to be amenable, to be able to amend your ways. Then there is also that virtue, suvachos, Modu anatimani, to be soft, gentle, and free from pride, that is vanity, to reduce, to become humble. These are virtues. Then there is the cultivation, santos, cultivation of contentment, simple livelihood, so that others, you are easily supportable. Then, to lead a blameless life, blameless in the sense that the wise will not censure your actions. These are some of the virtues that one begins to cultivate. And then, along with this cultivation, one radiates out one's thoughts of loving kindness in all directions, to all beings, whether on land, 
that is terrestrial beings or celestial beings. In the various realms, celestial realms. Then in this sutta also there is mention how how one practices this. This meditation can be done not only when sitting, but also when standing, when walking, when lying down. And it is boundless. There is no boundary, no barriers of caste, creed, This is how this meditation of loving-kindness or metta-bhavana helps one to reduce, first and foremost, aversions and breaks all boundaries, all barriers. It begins with oneself and radiates out those in its very practical application one begin by radiating metta towards oneself you have to love yourself first it is not being selfish what is the meaning of loving yourself if you love yourself you do not want yourself you do not wish, you will not wish yourself to be sick and to suffer from various, what you call, to have various mental and physical problems. So you will cultivate the good actions. It is the good actions that results in good effects. It is those immoral actions that leads to various kinds of misfortunes, so-called misfortunes and calamities. So one begins with, by thinking that may this body be free from ill health, free from sufferings, may it have calm and peace. May this body be well and happy and then radiating out. If you have gurus, if you have religious teachers, think of them. Have this mental contact. Be grateful to what they have taught you, that wherever they may be, may they also be well and happy. Then go on to your mother and father, brothers and sisters, relatives, friends, and going out in all directions to all your neighbors, known or unknown to you, then to all the creatures, seen or unseen, all that lives in the la on land, in the waters, in the skies, in the air, 
radiating to all of them that love and kindness. And as I have said, this practice does not limit to only sitting down. When you are waiting for bars, you can also radiate this metta towards all. And this is one of the sublime abodes, one of the four Brahma Viharas. Here, Brahma Viharas here refers to sublime abodes. An abode is a shelter. It is a shelter where your mind should recite again and again, and it should be there as frequently as possible, if not all the time. Metta is one of it. Then the others are Karuna, Muditta, Upekha. Metta is loving kindness. It is thoughts, your radiation at mental level. Karuna, you practice Karuna or compassion, sympathy or pity for the suffering humanity. That is how you develop Karuna. Metta is developed to all, irrespective. Then Mudita. Mudita here is defined as sympathetic joy, altruistic joy. To be able to be happy when others are happy, to share in the happiness of others. This is also an important virtue because a great many people, when they see others prospering, when they see others happy, they are not happy. They are the least happy. This is where the force of mudita, altruistic joy, when cultivated, it reduces jealousy, envy. And then, upekha, opeksha. That is equanimity. To try to develop a balanced state of mind so that one is not moved by the worldly phenomena of profit and loss. When some people have profits, they laugh, they are overjoyed, they are over it, huh? they are elated. And when there is loss, you see, they are very down, they are depressed, totally depressed. The practice of Upeksha, which actually stems from wisdom, which is on the understanding of the impermanence, the impermanent nature of life, when one has profits, one thinks that this is not going to be permanent. 
so one maintains equilibrium. Then praise and blame. One day you are praised, the next day that same very person who praised you may blame you. Therefore maintain your equilibrium. Fame and ill fame. One day you become famous, but the next moment you may lose your reputation. So when you are famous, maintain your balanced state of mind. Then where there is sorrow and happiness, these two things are there at a worldly level to also be able to maintain one's equanimity. This is what Upekshar is about. And these four virtues, they actually again interact one with another. Beginning, of course, with the practice of metta. And it is something that one can easily practice. To reduce one's anger, hatred, aversion. And this is a natural, just, it is a natural medicine or for those who are seeking beauty culture. One who radiates loving-kindness becomes radiant. And as Swamiji had said, the necessity for lipsticks and rosy cheeks will be very much less if one practices this. Yes, there are these various forms, there are many kinds, many objects of meditation. And one practices this according to different temperaments, different nature. So, I do not go word for word translation, because this will take a lot of time. So in gist, this is how the practice of metta, this is one such discourse. But there are also other discourses which speaks of the advantages of metta. What happens when one practices loving kindness? So if you take the time, if you take the trouble to read some wise books and you will find you will understand the values, what human values are. Many people talk about development today, but what is lacking is human development, the development of human values. So this is what we are here to promote. And I think I will stop here, and uh, certainly, if uh, what you call, hmm, I remind you again 
by all means, when you start a center somewhere, I have in fact patronized quite a number of yoga ashrams. Uh, when I was in Fiji, when I was in the Americas, in all the 48 states of the United States, and all the states of Canada, there are various ashrams. Guru Nanak Ashram, Yogi Bhajanji, there is also what you call the Arubindo Ashram. Huh? Yes, there are various ashrams there. And this time, this year, I have spent a little more than four and a half months in Europe and England. I have also come across a number of yoga centers and one in Mainz. It is in a university group of students where I was also addressing. I also had the opportunity to speak to them. Yes, in this rapid, rapid age, one has to consider the value of controlled actions. Of course, in the Chinese system, we have developed Tai Chi Chuan also. That is a Chinese yoga. And, uh, but I must say from my own experience, that the asanas, certain simple asanas are very important to maintain, to maintain your, what you call, uh, the circulation, not only the circulation of the body, but also to enable this mind to function in its, in its, best form. When your body is ill, it is difficult. But when you have cultivated your mind up to a certain stage, then that mind will be able to tolerate greater pains. And then one is able, you see, when the body is sick, don't let your mind become sick. This is what the practice of mind over matter. But the body should not be neglected. And food is a very important thing also. You become what you eat. You <laughs> and uh, it is so that uh, today people are eating not for health. They are eating to please their eyes, their nose, their ears. Sometimes they play with music. You see, they will not eat with, without music. When there's music, then they will eat. <laughs> and really, they are pleasing all these other senses except for their health. You see, in the, amongst the so-called, what you call, um, 
well-to-do families, the more well-to-do they are, the more artificial the food becomes. You will see how they prepare various colors, all kinds of colors and all kinds of preservatives there are. Medical science have already proved the, that it is possible to live without, to live quite healthfully without animal proteins. I support so many support this. Because in my recent trip to France, and Europe, I have seen vast areas of cornfields, cornfields, maize, they grow maize. When I ask them, what do you do with all these? They say, all these things, these are not for human consumption, they are for animals. Do you know how much how much food the animal have to consume and then you feed on that animal and then the world says you see people say there is not sufficient food in the world <laughs> there is food shortage no it is not true what is the truth is Actually, in the Club of Rome, this is a conference, it has been pointed out, it has been revealed, that the world is not, there is no such shortage of food in the world today. But there is what you call a very vicious thing going on. It is the unequal distribution, the disparity. There is more than enough food. But do you know what happens even here in Malaysia? The farmers, when there is a glut of what you call vegetables, they will not want to sell five cents per getting. They rather destroy the vegetable. This is one. This is, you see, the root of the problem. Not food shortage, but moral values. Moral values are lacking here. Tons, thousands of tons of corn and maize goes up into the flames. See? So, these are certain, there are certain common values which all religions promote, but I said just now, I referred to Mother India, because in my studies about the philosophies that has come out of India, I think there can be no new philosophies or religious thoughts there can be new, no new ones today. 
there are various streams of thinking in India. The so-called new religions of today, they are actually a combination of two or more of the system of thought that existed in India. It is by your going back, by understanding your own tradition, that you are able to live a more full life. So, may wisdom grow in you. Good health and peace. Friends, when we conducted a series of classes in yoga for Buddhists in Sri Lanka, we chanted a mantra which is called the Uchadna Mandra. Just as you got over there and over Uchadna Mandra in our Tamantriyavasiddhan, the order, we do have a Uchadna Mandra which embraces Buddhism as also our order. So we chant that and express our thanks to the distributors of that. If possible, you people repeat it after me. Buddha Sharanam Gachami, all of you. Buddha Sharanam Gachami, Dhammam Sharanam Gachami, Dhammam Sharanam Gachami, Sangam Sharanam Gachami, Sangam Sharanam Gachami, Priya Babaji Sharanam Gachami, Excuse me, for I have to be back now, and uh, I came without notice. <laughs> I was waiting for my venerable teacher to come back from Taiwan, and uh, so unfortunately there was a plane delay, so the other moms could not come, so I had to come. So, now friends, before we start the pushing and worship with the master. <laughs> Um, as you know, we can't have the training in the sixth phase today, we won't have it tomorrow. But I don't want you people to lose your 16 years of spiritual progress. So what you're going to do, you're going to practice the older new students, the fifth phase of pranayama, which you are taught this morning. And tomorrow I'll take up the sixth phase. So all of you people use the oil and finish off that pranayam and be homage to the Master. Then you have the worship of the Master in Tamil Archana and you will distribute the prasad of the Anandan family and take so much of care to prepare. So there's a feast now, both a ritualistic feast and the food feast. All of you people start the morning. So we are going to light the lamps, which is symbolic of the Jodhi of Kriyokam. And I will request 
people representing the different centers and different communities to take these lamps, light it there and put it outside. Try to arrange it very nicely when you keep on chanting. And then you'll have the worship of the Master according to the great classical language of Tamar. And after that you'll be having distribution of the Sardam or the sacred offerings which have been prepared by Anandam's family. <coughs>